Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with the talented Mary Gamba. Look at this yellow dress, whatever she, we're popping out from the blue background. And that happens to be our director, Elvin Badger's favorite Mary Gamba look, correct? It is, it is, yeah. I was showing some different shirts and I'm glad that I did. I mean, not to tell the whole audience how the sausage is made, it's one of my favorite expressions, but I had some other shirts and dresses that I had held up against the background that just would not have worked. I would have blended right in. So thank you, Elvin and Scarlin and Sylvester and our talented team for making me look as good as I can look. Well, you know, I need some help too on this end. Hey, Mary, before we bring in our good friend, Kevin Young, uh, tell everyone, a, who sponsors Lessons in Leadership, B, where we can be found. Yeah, definitely. So a uh, huge thank you and shout out to our sponsors, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. We'll be talking to Kevin in a few minutes. Uh, Prager Metis, we have Valley Bank. Uh, we also have the New Jersey Sharing Network, Seton Hall University, and the Bacino Leadership Institute. So uh, kudos to them over there as well. And By the way, can... who, who taught a master class at the Seton Hall Bucino Leadership Institute that got rave reviews. Oh, it <laughs> don't even go there too soon. <laughs> you did great, Steve. It was awesome. It was wonderful. And we had a really good time. And, and those students are so talented and so passionate. It was really um, great to work with them. Brian Price and the team over there, Dr. Price, thank you so much. It's just such a pleasure working with all of you. And we look forward to working with you again in the fall, hopefully. Yeah, you can find us. I love that we, you can do us. You can find us on News 12 Plus every <laughs> Sunday at 10, but also iHeartRadio, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, R-O-I-N-J, NJ.com, Commerce Magazine, and our promotional partners are, Mary, Commerce Magazine. Mm -hmm. And NJBIA, yeah, and the New Jersey uh, Business Magazine. And then, of course, one other plug, if you want to follow Steve on Facebook, you can do so at Steve Adubato, PhD, that's A-D-U-B-A-T-O, as well yeah. as on Twitter at Steve Adubato. You know, Enough plugging. You know, it's okay. You know who doesn't follow me on social media? Who? Kevin Young. Put Kevin. No, he doesn't. Burned. And, and the no, fact that you know that he doesn't follow you is yeah. almost scarier than the fact that he doesn't follow I'm you. I'm aware. I'm a fan of his. I don't know if he's a fan of mine. We did actually, Kevin was one of the first graduates of the Stand and Deliver 825 Leadership Academy. He was challenging. His, he was provocative. He made me be better. He is Kevin Young. He's director of organizing at the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing good, Steve. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. You're looking great. Hey, Kevin, real quick, um, let's talk about the Leadership Academy before we talk about anything else. You were one of the first graduates of it. Um, you skeptical going in? Incredibly skeptical. Nobody wants to be told uh, that they're potentially doing things wrong. Who, who wants to voluntarily get criticism at any time? But you are a strong leader. Greg Lalavi, who joins us a lot on this series, was actually talking about you in an earlier taping. It's not a question of criticism, but you got even better as a leader over time in the academy. How open have you been to getting feedback and constructive, you can call it criticism, on how to get better when you know you're already pretty darn good? It's become essential to every single thing that I do. Our world changes every single day. The business changes every single day. You know, we just went through a global pandemic where we saw things change from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. So it's become one of the biggest things that I took away from the time spent with you was it is essential to continue to evolve and grow as a leader, as a professional, and as a person at all times. And you, you have, and the other thing that since you got out of the academy, the one thing I know because we continue to work with A25 is you are big, before Mary jumps in, 
you're very big on developing other people, other leaders, giving them feedback, being a mentor. You always were a mentor and a coach, but now more than ever, talk about it. I think that we all have a goal and our goal is to come into, for just talking about our organization, to come into the organization, but leave it better than how you found it. And without developing people to eventually take over the reins and be leaders themselves, really, what, what, are, what are you accomplishing? If you're not growing the organization and creating the next levels of leaders. The best leaders understand that being the best you can be isn't enough. You have to help others be the best they can be. It sounds like a cliche, but it's true. Mary, jump in. Yeah, I agree completely. And in order to help others, we always need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, that we're helping ourselves. Kevin, talk a little bit. I know uh, we talked a little bit before we got on the air today just about what you're doing right now for, I, we're in tough times. We're in still the midst of this pandemic 14, 15 months later. And what do you do to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, uh, your health and well-being? Mental health and physical health are very, very important right now. I think that we've all had to uh, become very humble and more open-minded than we have been in the past. And I think we have a lot going on in the world right now. And if it's not starting with yourself, you can't really portray a message and portray somebody that should be listened to if you're not starting with yourself. So I've been on a health journey myself the last year, mentally and physically. Agreed. And I, every single day I wake up, I'm in that same boat. I said, all right, when the pandemic started, people were talking about the pandemic, 10, 15, 20 pounds. I said, nope, I'm going to take that off. But in addition to that, I always start each day just saying, be present, be productive, be positive. That's always the thing that I say to myself before I swing my feet out of bed. Do you have any self-talk that you do like that, that just really helps you to stay focused and help to coach and mentor others? PMA, positive mental attitude, find the good in all situations, not only find the good, but find ways to give out some of that positive energy to help others. Uh, Mary, I have a feeling Kevin's going to be hosting his own leadership podcast. I was going to say, yes, he's doing great. <laughs> but, but Kevin, how about, how about this one? And you, and you and I have talked very candidly about this, both in the seminars and in one-on-one -on -one coaching we've done. And what strikes me about this is, let's not kid ourselves. For those who don't know you, you have an extremely high standard for performance. Fair? Agreed. I've told you in the past that I struggle with what I perceive to be a standard of excellence. And if it's not achieved or accomplished by others around me, I don't handle it very well all the time. Meaning I'm very frustrated and don't have a lot of patience. You have this ridiculously high standard. How do you handle those who struggle getting there or you don't think they're even trying to get there? I think that you need to identify when people have a genuine interest in growing. And when you identify that somebody doesn't have that general, you know, that true interest in developing themselves further, I think that too often we dismiss those people. I think those people motivate me even more. They motivate me even more because I just need to find the appropriate pathway to get through the, to, to them. I see Mary smiling as soon as <laughs> Kevin says that, because I think she lives by the same motto. I sure do. And it's so important. And we have a small team on our end and just really working hard to not only, um, as you said, emote and to be positive and to just even with, at home with my, with my kids, my boys are now 16 and 19, which I can't believe. And I just try to help them to remain positive, even though sometimes things seem awful with the pandemic and learning remotely, but there's always something to be grateful for. And until you could actually count your blessings, it's really hard to be positive looking at the day. Agreed. You know, it's, it's interesting, Kevin, Mary talks about her boys, and we have three kids as we speak, 18, 16, and 10, and my older son, uh, Stephen, from my first marriage, uh, much older. But I, I'm curious about something. 
you talk about physical well-being, mental well-being, and 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 because I met you several years ago, and I, the transformation is incredible, not just physically, and you look better and all that because you're vain, um, but but the, the truth is, professionally as well. But I'm curious about this balance. How the heck do you balance your personal home life with a very intense professional life? That is something that I continue to struggle with. I continue to struggle to find that balance because uh, our job is very, very unpredictable. You know, at times it may be a 4 a.m. call to meet with a group of employees, which has become increasingly difficult to do in larger groups during the pandemic. Because now not only are you balancing, you know, executive orders, but you're also trying to balance personal feelings that each has, you know, about gatherings and how to communicate with each other. You struggle with technology. You know, every day I encounter people that don't have iPhones. They don't know what Zoom is, GoToMeeting. They don't have platforms. They're not comfortable on those platforms. So it's it's been a struggle, especially over the last 14 months, to really find that balance and continue to grow. Because you have, you know, my I have a 16-year-old son myself, and he goes out. His mother's very sensitive to the virus. So He's been self-quarantined by his, you know, mother a few times where I haven't been able to take him out of the house. She wants to keep him contained and his friends have been contained. So trying to figure out an unpredictable lifestyle professionally and personally has been a challenge. You, one of the first things I noticed about you when I met you is that you're a voracious reader. You read. And we are one of the chapters, Mary, in Lessons in Leadership. I'm I'm uncomfortable holding the book up, but I will. Yeah. Okay. Kevin's got a copy. I signed a copy for Kevin two days later. It was on eBay. So um, for two bucks. In all, in all seriousness, one of the chapters, Mary, is uh, the greatest leaders are lifelong learners. Uh, Kevin Young's a lifelong learner. The reading part of it, Kevin, reading about not just leadership, but about life, philosophy, all of it. Where did that come from for you? I think it started uh, when I was much younger. I had a uh, real desire to learn about the past. And I think the more and more I read about the past, it made me a better person. With each book I read and I saw people historically have continued to make the same mistakes time and time again, seeing it throughout history helped me to develop and want to motivate genuine change. So I think that's where it started. And then I've just continued to grow and find other avenues, whether it be through biographies, true history of the labor movement, just history of our country. But now I'm getting more into a world of, you know, you know, the, the, posit- the positivity styled books, almost self-help style books that have really helped me grow and develop and continue to improve professionally and personally. But it definitely started, the motivation came from when I was younger to seek knowledge about the past. Mary, you got the last question with Kevin. Yeah, definitely. And when it goes to reading and uh, just learning more, can you tell us one or two books that you think uh, others, I mean, I'm always looking for new ideas. Is there something that really stands out in your mind? Steve and I always, oh, there it goes. Steve, I cannot believe that you just did that. That's so bad. No, I, uh, but I know how much it's meant to Kevin. I know it meant so much. I, I'm surprised he doesn't have it right there to hold up himself. But Steve and I are always in the school of the Richard Carlson uh, of the world. So just curious if you have an author. That That's don't sweat the small stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. It's hard to make a recommendation after reading Lessons in Leadership that isn't Lessons in Leadership. This show has just jumped the shark, let me tell you. (laughs) It's it's really really difficult. And Steve left out. It did go on eBay. I paid more to ship the book to somebody than I made (laughs) on the book itself on eBay. But um, a book that I recently enjoyed for its style of writing, it was uh, very gritty and very honest 
was a book by John Joseph called The PMA Effect. I thought that it was a very, very motivating book. I think that it reads very well for younger or older, it doesn't matter. But John Joseph, The PMA Effect was one of the last books that I read that I would uh, recommend. Does PMA positive mental attitude? Correct. Mary, let's put that, let's actually order that book. We'll read it and put it in our, on our website. Sylvester will put this up on the back end. Our website has a leadership library that's always changing and that's going into the top 10. Hey, Kevin, um, it's a cliche, but it's true. Just proud of you. Proud of everything you're doing. I appreciate that, Steve. Not just because you're better, but because you're making other people better. And that is the greatest gift of a leader is to help other people be the best they can be. Wish you nothing but success. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate your time. That's Kevin. I'm Steve. That's Mary. This is Lessons in Leadership. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Valley's all about making life easier for clients, and that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners, for folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs, for parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow, and for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. Hey, Mary, what's your biggest takeaway from listening to Kevin Young? First time on Lessons in Leadership. I loved having Kevin on and just hearing, again, I, I know I say it, it sounds so repetitive, but every time we have a new guest on and just hearing their perspective on leadership, I feel we learn something new every single day. And for Kevin, I, I love his passion for learning and history repeating itself. And just, you can learn from the past so you don't repeat those same issues and problems in the future. And by the way, you know, I don't want to turn this into a commercial for fitness or taking care of yourself mentally, physically, et cetera. But I did meet Kevin several years ago and he's physically much, he's in better shape physically as well as emotionally, mentally, et cetera. You can see it. <clears throat> but you mentioned how you have taken it very seriously as well. And again, both of us are Peloton obsessed. Uh, who, who's your favorite person to ride to or uh, ever Cody on Rigsby. the show? Cody Rigsby, and hopefully he'll be joining us on a future Lessons in Leadership. And it's so important. When the pandemic started, I said it when we were talking with Kevin, uh, you could have gone two ways. You could have just sat on the couch, which I love sitting on the couch. I love my shows. Uh, we're currently watching Making a Murderer right now. It's a great uh, series and it's just really fantastic. But if you don't take the time to get yourself healthy, 
get your blood pressure in check, get your weight in check. There's no better time to do it. There's no excuses. You've got nothing but time. You know, for months we couldn't go to the movies. We couldn't go out. There was nothing to do. So I took it as an opportunity and not even just physically and exercising because I'm not a huge exercising person. I don't love it. I do love the Peloton, I have to say, but just mentally, uh, just checking yourself and, and trying not to worry so much about things that are out of your control and most important, be in the present. I just constantly remind myself we have a lot of big things coming up in the upcoming weeks and just I have to constantly remind myself to be present and I, as I always say, first things first. Uh, focus on what is important today and what can actually wait until tomorrow. And real quick, before we go to a clip with um, the former governor of the great state of New York, the Empire State, a very close friend, uh, Governor David Patterson, who wrote a fascinating book called Black Blind and In Charge. He's a former radio colleague of mine in New York. Just a terrific guy. He just on so many levels. But real quick, before I let you go, we're not a self-help. We're not a fitness program. We're a leadership program. What is Anything that you just talked about have to do with leadership. In order to be a good leader, if you don't have the mental capacity, if you're not there and present in the moment, if you're stressed out because of, you know, whether it's weight issues or whether because of things going on with your family, other anxiety and pressures in your life, you need to get that all in check. Because if not, if something happens in the workplace, if something goes wrong, if one of your team is coming to you with a problem or an issue, you got to have your stuff together. You need to be focused and able to jump right in and really have a clear mind. And there is a connection between, and it doesn't have to be crazy activity. It doesn't need no. to be getting a Peloton. Go for uh, a walk. Yeah, I was gonna say for months. I mean, I only got my Peloton two months ago, but prior to that, it was walking every single day with my dog. I got a rescue dog and I will uh, tell anyone out there, adopt, don't shop, get a dog from a rescue. They're just really great. And in just getting outside and walking, but again, just taking that time for yourself will allow you to be Better, a better leader for your team um, as well. Yep. And by the way, not to mention, we have a long taping day. Every time we tape, it's never one or two shows. I will also tell you, taking your care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally will allow you to have the stamina to do what you need to do, especially when you get older. Some of us can relate to that. I know. And I'm telling you, there's bags and everything going on all over here. I just try not to. Uh, I'm going to tell Sylvester, just blur it all out and edit it. You better be talking about yourself and not me, but I don't see it in you. <laughs> I see all smooth skin. Mary had Botox last week. Oh, so, I did not um, stop, but I will I be know, getting I'm it just in saying. the future. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not, it's okay. I have too. I'm not, you know. Oh, I haven't. I've right never here. done it yet, but I promise right, let's you. Do, let's do cosmetic stuff another show. Okay, right now, fine. the great governor, the governor, former governor of New York State, the Honorable David Patterson talking leadership. This gentleman knows more about leadership than I could ever forget in a lifetime. lifetime or known a lifetime. He's forgotten more than I could know. He is David Patterson, the 55th governor of New York, the author of Black, Blind, and In Charge, a story of visionary leadership and overcoming adversity. He joined us on our PBS public television programming. We wanted to have him on Lessons in Leadership. David, let me ask you this. Uh, the number one leadership lesson you learned while you were the governor of New York post Elliot Spitzer, the number one leadership lesson you learned was, is? Well, Steve, that's a very exciting question because I didn't figure it out until after I was governor. <laughs> but fortunately, I did perform it. When you are a legislator, you represent your district and so do other legislators. So you look out for your district first. When you become the governor or a mayor or a county executive, you are the one person that stays up at night worrying about the whole area that you represent. And at first, I think I was trying to 
get the legislative leaders to understand what I was saying, but not recognizing that they were working for interests that were conflicting with that of the state. I don't think they wished the state harm, but they wouldn't make the tough decisions. And that's why an old uh, President Wilson cabinet member named John Simpson came back to New York when they started changing some of New York's laws over a hundred years ago. And he wrote one man, which we'll now say is one person, right. should be staying up not, uh, at night making decisions for everyone. And even though that couldn't go wrong, you have people with, if they have too much power, they become dictators or, or they are, um, uh, you know, not doing their job correctly. But I think that when you are, the, when your role is to be the leader, you've got to recognize that you're the one that's going to have to make the hard decisions and no one else is really going to make it easy for you. I'll tell you what, people are listening. Those of us who run nonprofits, who run businesses, what, what Governor Patterson is saying is no different for any one of us. So it's a powerful leadership lesson. David, and I call David, David, because we have a long history together as friends and, and media colleagues. And, and, and let me ask you this. Because you were the chief executive of New York State, and then you had, when you left office, you transitioned, right? So we met each other at WOR Radio 710, and then over at AM 970, we worked together. So here's the thing. That transition itself, pivoting from the, the pinnacle of government leadership to being a radio talk show host and commentator and continuing to evolve as a business leader, et cetera, is that part of being a great leader, David Patterson, being that Agile, dare I say? I think there are a lot of leaders that don't see it that way. They get to the top of a mountain and they just stay there for their whole lives. But I think it is since leaving uh, there, I uh, worked in radio for a couple of years. I went and took all the exams and uh, became an investment banker. I did that for four years. Now I'm the senior vice president of the Las Vegas Sands Corporation. How that happened is a long story. But uh, I've tried to bring leadership there because this is a West Coast company coming into an East Coast area uh, bidding for a license. And, you know, we do things a little differently than they do. And they've been uh, kind enough to uh, let me help them make the decisions as to what actually happens. And so uh, in, in that respect, I have uh, thrown myself into things sometimes when I really didn't know what was going to happen just because... The experience teaches you beyond anything you've learned. So you might be a good leader in politics, but you could be terrible at, uh, say, working with people in the not-for-profit sector unless you get into the sector and learn how it works. And it's been uh, really a privilege for me to have worked in so many different areas and, and had those opportunities. David, I've got about a minute or so left. I need to ask you this. To what degree do you believe having the disability you have, um, the lack of sight, um, has impacted in any way, if at all, your approach to leadership? Well, so for instance, when I would go and speak at schools to children, um, as soon as they saw me try to get on the stage, they knew I wasn't perfect. But when I was young and people came, these leaders, to give us advice, I always saw them as perfect. So by demonstrating a flaw or perhaps a, uh, a vulnerability that I had, I could reach students by telling them, listen, you know, you think you're going through a lot. You have no idea what going through a lot is in the public school system when you're the only blind person in the whole district. And when you talk to people like that, 
by rather than dictating to them, but letting them know that your experiences are theirs, you can provide uh, an, a leadership. As the great uh, Chinese philosopher Ian Wu once said, the best way to lead people, walk behind them. Walk behind them. That's good stuff, David. Hey, listen, why is it I always learn something when I'm around you? Just the way it is. Oh, well, I'm happy that you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, listen, um, I'm going to plug your book one more time if you're okay with that. Sure. It is called Black, Blind, and in Charge, a story of visionary leadership and overcoming adversity. And I am honored that you joined us not only on Lessons in Leadership, but also on our public television broadcast as well. And um, I look forward to talking to you down the road off the air, David, my friend. Absolutely. I'm going to give you a ring in a couple of days. Take care. That was a pretty amazing guy, David Patterson, former governor of New York. Uh, talk about overcoming challenges, Mary. Uh, I, I don't know how David Patterson does what he does and does it at the highest level for so long. Go ahead. That's leadership. That is. It is so easy for all of us at any level of leadership to come up with excuses, all of the reasons why we can't do something, all of the reasons of the obstacles and so many play the victim and myself included when I find myself doing that spiral thinking and saying, why me? He has, well, I'm sure he, we're all human. I'm sure he said it at once or twice, but he has embraced what he has, his talents and his leadership ability. And he is just really impacting others, not only through his actions, but also through his book. Yeah, good stuff. Check out David Patterson's book. A couple of minutes left, Mary. Let me try this. You and I have had an ongoing discussion, uh, not only back and forth as we work together, but Mary and I have been working on a book together for months. It'll come out, I promise, um, about leadership in the age of COVID and beyond. And one of the themes that we're struggling with is this concept of leaders needing to be, quote, patient. And I have said, yeah, patient to a degree but with a sense of urgency and a pursuit of excellence. And sometimes for me, this need to be patient collides with my sense of where we need to be, the standard of excellence, and frankly, a sense of urgency. Help for all of us, not just me. It's, and Steve, you and I have struggled with that. We have different ways sometimes when things go wrong. And uh, it's, I, and, I, and I do wanna say gender is a little bit involved in there. I find sometimes, especially if you're a woman and you're a mother, I think patience is just a little bit more intrinsic and you take that pause, you take that deep breath and you say like, all right, you know, they spilled their milk. Is it really as bad as I'm about to react? Cause I already had a busy day. I don't have time to clean up that milk. But in the office and talking leadership, to me, patience is extremely important. You want to have a sense of urgency. You want to make sure that you don't ignore the little things because then the little things turn into the big things. But how you deal with things is so important when it comes to when things do go wrong. Yeah, but what if in the spirit of being patient, coaching, teaching, trying to understand what people don't understand or why it wasn't done in a certain way, how does one do this as a leader in this very calm and even way, which obviously is preferable, but without having, running the risk of people not understanding that there is a sense of urgency. And we've talked about a certain thing for so long. And no, I am losing my patience. You should be losing your patience, not you, I mean the person. I, the whole chilled thing to a degree I get, and then after that I struggle with it. Yeah, no, and I agree. There's been times when I want to throw my hands up in the air and and it also has to go with just overall demeanor, right? Like you've talked about how when you how you were raised in the environment that you grew up in, 
that literally it was you had to speak up and be strong and uh, and persevere. Patience was not a virtue in my house. Exactly. Whereas in my house and how I was brought up, oh, <laughs> stop. Uh, no, it was all, but it was. It was all very collaborative. You mean when you grew up with the Waltons? I did. Oh, that was my mom's favorite show. God bless her. <laughs> she loved the Waltons. In my neighborhood in Newark, there was no, no Waltons family. Yeah, there were no ahead. Waltons. Yeah, that was one of my mom's favorite shows. But it is so true. And again, it's not a bad quality. I mean, being patient is extremely important, but you really just have to make sure that you keep your cool. Because also, too, if you lose it, Number one, everybody else is going to get their, their anxiety level is going to rise through the roof. And then their ability to really problem solve will be blurred because they're afraid of making another mistake and another mistake. That's why you tune into lessons in leadership, not to listen to me, but to listen to the talented leader in the yellow. It's not the dress. Is it a blouse? I, I no, it's, it's just a blouse. It's just a blouse. Well, it looks great <laughs> against the new background. And by the way, to Elvin and Scarlin and Sylvester and Frank and everyone who's created this look. It's awesome. Look at us. We're in two different places. Scarlett's shaking his head. Our yeah, we've arrived. Operator, we have officially our, arrived. Alvin, I see it says goodbye. I'm just plugging the team. It takes a village. Lessons in Leadership. Mary, Steve, see you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.